Hey everybody, it's Evan with the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. Before we get started, I have got to tell you about our friends over at Mile High Green Cross. These guys offer an experience that you will not forget. They have award-winning products. Just check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head to their website. They are giving the DNVR family $5 off your purchase of $25 or more. Just mention this ad. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They pride themselves on their customer service and it shows. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention and one of their from one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products, such as $99 prepack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals. They offer out-the-door pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. No cash, no problem. Mile High Green Cross now accepts hyper. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary. On average, the time you walk in to the time you walk out is only nine minutes. I know that's super important for me and probably for everyone else with their crazy, hectic lives. They're informative and speedy. Head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross as they are located on 9th and Broadway and offer parking in the back. Remember, mention this ad and receive $5 off your purchase of $25 or more. Now, let's get to the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast today, brought to you by The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Just head to their website at mygreensolution.com, order whatever you need, and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I am Evan. Uh, obviously, I am not Rudo, who you usually hear doing all this. Uh, the injury bug that has plagued the Avs all year has now hit the DNVR Avalanche family as... If you noticed Rudo the last couple days, he's been a little hoarse. Uh, his voice finally gave out, and AJ's been sick the last couple days as well. So today, it is just going to be me. We're going to be going over the questions that you had sent in on the Twitterverse. And, uh, you know, you guys sent a lot of questions, so we'll get right to it. I wanted to start kind of where Rudo and I finished off last night about Vlad Kamenev. Um, we were, this, this question's from Caitlin Kravitz. She says that we were discussing the Kamenev healthy scratch situation last night. And I was wondering at what point is it detrimental to a player's development to keep sitting in the press box rather than going to the AHL and at least getting some playing time? Uh, It is a very good question. The unfortunate part with the Kamenev situation is that he cannot go just freely up and down to the AHL. And that's part of the reason why he was the 14th forward to start the year because he has to go through waivers for everything. Uh, he is, you know, obviously we've seen this year that the Avs have really only wanted to use him when there's injuries that have come up. Uh, it took the injury bug when Ranton and Wilson went down to get him into the lineup earlier this year. And 
They took Nachushkin getting sick the other night to put him in, and the Avs just don't use him unless they absolutely need to. Uh, we talked about it last night. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he can come in and help the team in a pinch, especially on a back-to-back situation when you need some fresh legs in there. Uh, he came in the other night, picked up an assist, looked fine. He doesn't really hurt the team out there. Um, he's a big body. I've noticed this year he's trying to play a lot more physical, and I'm sure the Avs want that out of him. That's how Bednar wants his big guys to play. Um, it doesn't come particularly natural to him, but he's trying, and he works hard in practice. He's When you go to practice, he's always the first guy on the ice, and he's usually the last guy off too, which for healthy scratches, kind of normal. Uh, they got to do whatever they can to just stay stay in shape, uh, make sure that they are ready to go whenever they are needed. As far as the situation right now, um, it would be nice to get him to go down to the AHL at least. You know, some teams kind of use the uh, conditioning stints. The Avs don't, haven't really done it for a couple of years, but some teams will use that a little bit, and the Avs haven't really tried that with Kamenev. I've often wondered why especially since he's missed so much time over the last two years, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they at least tried it. And maybe they have and have been told that they can't do it. Um, As far as it messing with his development, um, he is a little bit older. I believe he's 23, maybe 24 now as the season has gone on. Um, He's got a couple years in the AHL. We saw it last year with Ryan Graves. When he was called up, he played, he was in and out of the lineup. They sent him down a couple times and called him back up. But around February, they just decided, you know, we're just going to we're gonna keep him up here. He was 23 last year. He had played three years in the AHL, three and a half years in the AHL. And there's really, at that point, you're not sure if there's really much more he's going to learn from the AHL. So um, I guess my bigger problem with Kamenev is that I don't really understand what the end game is here with the Avs. They're not playing him. They are, when they do play him, obviously they're not going to play him a lot but they're not playing him and they don't really seem all that willing to play him. So it's just kind of seems like he's just a dude to them. And this year they're just kind of playing it out until Bowers and couch and all those guys are ready. And then the summer, you know, he's a free agent again. I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe wanted to get moved on, uh, move on to a better situation could even happen during the season for all we know. He does seem like the type of guy that they could throw into any deal down the stretch to, um, just kind of sweeten it. He is, I think, some teams would like to at least see him as maybe a reclamation project. He's got a lot of skill. We've all seen it. Um, but obviously, he just has not been able to stay consistently healthy where he can stay in the lineup full time. So um, I don't really think it's detrimental to his development to just sit in the press box. But I would like to see him get a few more games in. The next question is from Tiger Vixen, who asks... Pretty much, is there any chance that we're going to see any of the guys, Bowers, Cout, Timmons, are they any, is there a realistic scenario where any of them get an NHL opportunity this season? Hmm. I would say, based off of what is happening right now with Donskoy, we don't know if he's hurt. We don't know if he's going to be out for a while. They are now down to 12 forwards because Colin Wilson, I, don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, just don't see him again this year. Um, or again, I guess in an Avs uniform since he's a free agent again. Um, that's 12 forwards. They're going to, I would assume, give Kamenev a chance. If Donskoy is not okay, we'll find out at practice tomorrow. Um, but Bowers is producing in the AHL. I think he's got eight points in his last eight games. He's doing everything that they want from him. 
Um, he had a slower start to the year transitioning into the pro game. And as he's gone on, he's gotten better and better. So I think of the three guys, he is probably the one who I think there is a realistic scenario that we could see him this year. Um, the guys like Comfort um, and maybe less so Comfort, but more Jost have just not developed defensively. So if he was to come up and show that he can be reliable defensively, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him stick around and get some more playing time. Um, Kaut, he has just, and I guess all of these guys, unfortunately, have just missed so much time during the year. Um, Kaut missed a month. At least we kind of knew what was going on with him. He had a concussion. He missed at least a month with the injury. And since coming back, has been better. He's starting to pr- produce a little bit, which he was obviously not doing to start the year. Um, we heard Bedner a couple weeks ago before he got hurt, mentioned that Timmons was not the top defenseman down there. So that's why he did not get the call up. Um, that doesn't bode well for him, especially since he last played on December 13th was announced as day to day, which, uh, as we've all found out in the Avs universe could mean never going to see him again, or he could actually, actually be day to day. Um, so we're looking at close to a month since he has played a game. Uh, sounds like he might be missing a few more weeks. Um, I did see he's traveling around with the team and doing things, so I'm not sure exactly what's wrong with him. They're saying it's a lower body injury, but um, to at least see him traveling is good. But um, with the way things are going now, saying he's not one of the better defensemen down there, I would say it's maybe not so realistic to see him, um, especially if he's going to be missing so much time. So of those three guys, it certainly seems like Bowers is the most realistic one. Um, and as far as his game goes, I think it would definitely translate well into the uh, pro, uh, I guess the NHL speed. Um, he is a big guy. The Avs do like some size up front. And we all, you know, obviously I joked that he is Jared Bednar's long lost son. Uh, but Bednar raved about him in preseason, loved the way he played. He played really well in all the preseason games he he played in. The problem is just there's not enough room right now. So, um I could definitely see him coming up just based on, you know, the abs have been hit with the injury bug. Unfortunately, he was hurt when everyone was hurt earlier this year, so he didn't get his chance. But if this continues on, I think he's probably the most realistic choice of these guys to get a chance. All right. Um, we are moving on. Jason Hotzinger asks, and it's not really a question. It's just more yelling. Is it time to panic? I tend to lean towards No. Um, I know three, six, and one over the last ten games, not great. The Avs, you know, they're it's really the special teams that are doing them in. Um, goaltending hasn't been as good as it was early in the year, but realistically, if you looked at the Avs numbers to start the year, they had a really high shooting percentage. They had a high save percentage. Eventually, that stuff was going to come even out. Uh, right now, we're kind of on the other end of it a little bit more, so I think it's going to kind of even out a little bit in between. Um, I'm not really worried if they can figure out this power play, um, at least get it going a little bit to the point where it's just not losing games for you, where it's contributing um, at least some momentum to get things going. Uh, I think they'll be just fine. I We've mentioned on the podcast before, I think that their five-on-five play is just fine. It's just the special teams right now that are killing them. Um, and as much as we talk about the poor goaltending or that Grubauer struggles, he's not been consistent this year. He's got a 909 save percentage. It's not great. 
It's also not terrible. You look at some of the starters around the year, Washington starter, Braden Holtby, 902. They're getting by just fine. Um, Bobrovsky out in Florida, 895. There are teams with much worse goaltending situations than the Avs right now. And to top it off, they got Pavel Francouz, who's sporting a 929 save percentage. So things look fine right there. I think they'll eventually get it figured out. The problem is that the team in front of them is making just some mistakes right now. And we've seen it. It seems to be a a tendency for these Bender teams to every year go through these funks where, you, you know, eventually they'll work it out. But it's a little frustrating that it seems to be happening every year. Um, right now, they've got a good cushion. Uh, I don't anticipate that they're going to drop too far. I think they'll get this figured out, and I definitely do not think it is time to panic. I think we will call that uh, the end of it for period one. And before we get to period two, I have got to tell you a little bit about our our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery that we talk about all the time. Um, It's time to just take a second and acknowledge them. They, They are the original Colorado beer established in uh, 1999 or 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. The beer today is the Avalanche Amber Ale, um, a popular one for Avalanche fans, I would say. I had one earlier this week. It's very smooth. It's a great beer. Uh, but they also just released a new beer, the Str- Strawberry Sky, that you guys, um, I'm sure you've had it by now. You're going to love it if you haven't had it. Um, it is a great beer for you beer enthusiasts out there. It's a lighthearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, just means it's a summer beer. So if you want to wait till the summer, go for it and try out the Amber Ale. They've got a lot of different beers that you can test out. Uh, make sure to look for us and look for look out for those Breckenridge event calendars on the dnbr.com. We do not, as far as I know, have a watch party planned for this month, but we'll get that figured out. And you'll be able to see all the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP, go drink your Breck beers, and uh, I will see you in period two. Welcome into period two of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. This is Evan Rowell. Once again, just me today. We're going through your questions. Today's broadcast obviously brought to you by The Green Solution. Check out any of their 17 Colorado locations, and check out thegreensolution.com for all of your needs. Uh, we'll get back to the questions here. Um, the very popular one after last night, and it seems like obviously it's popular after every game all year long. People have wanted to talk about trades. Uh, now we're throwing goaltending into the mix. So got a question from DB hammer. If you were the Avs GM and decided a trade was necessary, would you go after a goalie defenseman or forward could be a big all in trade or a minor stopgap trade. So where I stand on this is that you are not going to find a good goalie that's just available at this time of year. Um, I went over those goalie stats in the previous uh, period there. There are just a lot of goalies out there that are kind of struggling this year, and they're, there's really not a lot of big upgrades out there for the Avs. Um, you look at, oh my goodness, you just look at Brayton Holpe. He's an unrestricted free agent this summer. Obviously, Washington's not going to trade him. They are in the thick of things down out in the East. They might win the President's Trophy for all we know. But he's got a 902 save percentage. He's not doing all that great himself. He might be costing himself some money this summer for all we know. Uh, there are just a lot of goalies out there that are not really massive upgrades. Um, you look at Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. He won them a couple Stanley Cups. He is struggling big time to the point where he uh, seems to have lost his starting job out there in Pittsburgh. Uh, 896 save percentage. Tristan Jari has taken over everything there. So 
there's a lot of teams out there where it's just a weird year. I'm sure if anyone is playing fantasy hockey, they are finding out that it doesn't matter who your goalie is this year. They're all not very good. So um, Pecorino is losing to me some leagues there. So um, if you checked out my mentions last night, I feel like maybe Montreal fans just jump into the mentions of any team that has bad goaltending for a night and just pop in and say, Hey, you want Carey Price? You want a slightly used Carey Price who's making $15 million this year and it's got a cap hit of $10.5 million? Um, answer is a hard no. Uh, I don't think there's really a solution out there for the Avs and net. Um, I'm not sure that they're really going to go for a goaltender this summer either. I think what they should do, and I mentioned on the last couple podcasts, is just split the, split the starts down the stretch here. Let these guys fight it out determine first of all who your number one is that you want to go into the playoffs with because i really do think this is a good team they're going to make the playoffs just fine but also francois is a unrestricted free agent this summer you got to find out what you have if you do think that he's a guy that you maybe want to hit your wagon to in the next couple of years you got to play him you got to give him some games to show what he's worth uh and grubauer is a free agent in a year so you gotta you know see what he's got if he if you don't think he's up to it this is now two years in a row where he's been very erratic for most of the year. Um, We saw it down the stretch last year. If he gets hot, he gets really hot. But for the most part last year, he struggled. Um, Same thing this year where it's one good game, one bad game. So um, I would just split the starts. I think if the Avs tighten things up in front of them, they'll be just fine. Um, They've got a good thing going right now with just having cheap goaltending. Um, You don't want to hit your wagon to a goalie that's making – Ten and a half million, like Carey Price, because then that can hurt your ability to improve the rest of the team. So um, I don't think they're going to go for a defenseman. You know, we've talked about it a little bit. I think that they are looking at a forward. I'm starting to lean more, more towards just finding. You know, when I watch this team, we talked about last night on the podcast that there's a lack of IQ in the defensive zone, not just from the defenseman, but from the forwards. And um, I think. I don't know if Ottawa would ever want to deal with the Avs again after what happened with Matt Duchesne, but John Gabriel Pajot might be a pretty great pickup for the Avs down the stretch. Um, very good defensively. He's got a history of performing in the playoffs as well. And a guy that you can kind of slot in perfectly to that third line where you have McKinnon on one line, Kadri on another, Pajot, Pajot running the third line, and then Belmar back in his ideal spot on the fourth line. I think that's the way to go. Um, I'd be fine, obviously, with them picking up a uh, winger, and I think that's kind of what they're looking at right now. Um, just to move Donskoy down, assuming he's healthy and everything's fine after the hit the other night. Um, moving him down, spreading out the offense a little bit more, but um, I really do think it's going to be a forward that they're moving, uh, looking at uh, moving forward. Jeremy, the goalie giant, does ask, if the Avs decide Grubauer can't handle the number one job, who are the goalies the Avs should be looking at? Like we talked about, the guy they should be looking at is the guy that's on their roster right now, is Franco's. Um Got him cheap right now. He's still relative unknown, so he's not really going to break the bank if he has a good year. Um, I could see it being like Koskinen, where he makes four or four and a half million dollars if he has a good year. Um, and I think teams will be very interested in what he's bringing this summer um, if he does not decide to resign with the Avs. That's the thing is you got to give him playing time. You got to show him that you want uh, him to potentially be the guy down or for the next couple of years for the Avs. So I think if that's, you know, he's the guy you want to move forward with, um, then you got to give him the games, let him show what he's worth. 
uh, and just kind of go from there. Beyond that, uh, the free agency list this summer is not great. Like we mentioned, Braden Holpe, he's heading on the other side of 30, um, which Francois is obviously as well, but he's got less tread on the tires there. Um, Holtby just not, his numbers just are not great. I've never really been a huge fan. Um, I'm not sure. Obviously he comes from the as development system, essentially from Washington where that we just take all of our goaltenders from their system. Uh, but I think they are going to move on just to get Samsonov in there and obviously save some cap space to put towards guys like Backstrom who need new contracts there. Um, not a guy I would look for. Corey Crawford, I think is a free agent as well. There's just not a lot out there that's super ideal. Um, we saw last night, uh, it was mentioned a little bit that Henrik Lundqvist is maybe a guy that you could look at. Um, I think he's got another year on his contract. I don't know if he's going to think about trying to leave New York. I know he likes it there. He likes being in the big city. Um, his numbers are not great this year, 19 save percentage, but if you look at the advanced stats, with the way that that team gives up shots, his advanced numbers are actually pretty good just because they give up a lot of high danger chances. So um, he's 37. He'll be 38 next year. He's not an ideal solution either, but just another name that's out there potentially moving forward. Um, I think it's Francois that you need to see what you got in. And obviously Grubauer still has a chance to turn around. We saw it down the stretch that uh, last year that he can, you know, he can obviously get hot, steal the team some games, um, he essentially willed them into the playoffs last year with how he played. Uh, and he was great in the first round, took a little bit of a dip in the second round, but was still pretty good. So um, see what you got in these two goaltenders and just go from there. I would prefer not to spend a lot of money on goaltending just because um, we've seen, I mean, they've got cheap goaltending right now. When this team is playing well in front of these guys, these guys can get the job done too. So um, I think that, just sticking with these guys right now is just fine, and Francois might be the solution down the line, but you got to give him a chance first. Moving on to the next question, Aaron Halverson asks, is the Avs' frustrating inconsistency just showing growing pains of a young team, which should be expected, or indicative of a more sig- systematic, significant flaw? So the Avs are still a very young team. Um, I'm not sure how much more you can use the young I, I don't know. I don't want to call it an excuse, but I'm not sure how much more you can really use that because, you know, McKinnon's only 24, but he's, you know, we saw last night he's played his 500 games. You know, Zadorov's got over 300. A lot of these guys have been, they're young, but they've been in the league for a while. So um, they should kind of know what it takes. Uh, the core of this team has been around for a while. They got obviously Makar, who's in his first year. Um, it's expected that he's going to have growing pains. Young defensemen in this league obviously always do. Uh, we've seen him be a little up and down since coming back from injury. Not too worried about it. I think he'll be just fine. But for the most part, this team is young but also experienced at the same time. So not sure. Even the guys like Burakovsky, he's 24, but he's got a Stanley Cup. He's got a lot of playoff experience. So um, I would not really use the inconsistency as being growing pains just because I don't think that should be an excuse for them anymore. Um, being a more systematic, significant flaw, uh, I don't know about significant, but like we mentioned earlier, this has kind of been, uh, a similar, I guess, pattern in every one of Jared Bednar's years where every year there's just a stretch where they struggle and they struggle to get out of it. Um, it's not been nearly as long this year. They had that dip early in at the end of October when everyone got hurt. 
and they turned it around. I think it was only four or five games where they struggled, and then they figured everything out. It's lasting a little bit longer now, um, and we'll kind of see how they get out of it. But I would say that's a bigger concern is that, you know, every year this Jared Bednar-led team seems to kind of go through these uh, same lulls same around the same time of year, January, February, where they struggle. Uh, they struggle for a little while, and then they eventually get themselves out of it. Um, I think Bednar is a good coach, but that, if there's one criticism of him there, um, I think that would be it. Uh, I just I can't really put it on being a young team anymore. They've, they've played in the playoffs two straight years now. The majority of this team has, or the core of this team has. I don't think you can lay the blame on them being young anymore. So um, that's where I stand on that. A lot of people asking about altitude. I wish we had some better options. Boy, was it nice to watch a game on actual TV uh, the uh, last night with the uh, NBC broadcast. And they've been on NBC a couple times over the last few weeks. Um, would rather not hear Mike Milbury, but, you know, at least you're seeing it on a, a television there. So um, let's see here. You know, we'll go with a non-hockey one here. Everyone knows I love Always Sunny. I got asked, what's the best episode? So... For me, I there's a few episodes where I say they're untouchable. I'm not sure which one I would say is exactly the best. If I had to guess right now, I would say uh, the gang wrestles for the troops. That one's got to be up there. Uh, the gang tries desperately to win an award, and the gang buys a boat. Those would be the three that I would say are flawless. And I'm sure there's a couple more I just can't think off the top of my head. If I had to guess one or say which one was the best, I would probably lean towards the gang wrestles for the troops. I think that's a fantastic episode. Starts with them watching Hulk Hogan's old highlights and uh, just doesn't slow down from there. So that's where I would lean to. If you're not an Always Sunny fan, I would recommend watching it. First season's a little weird because Danny DeVito's not there and just now that they're 14 seasons deep, it's a little weird thinking of the show without him. Uh, but I would definitely check it out if you got Hulu or anything else that it streams on. I think we will call that uh, the end for period two there. Uh, but before we get out of here, we got to talk about Bojo's. If you're from Colorado, you know everything about Bojo's. It is the true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned pizza joint. Uh, the Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those passing through and want to know what the best pizza in town is. Uh, Bojo's is the only answer. We had our Christmas party there uh, right after Christmas. It was great. Um, I I mean, I grew up with in Colorado. Uh, any hockey trip to the mountains, our team typically stopped at the Bojo in Idaho Springs. Bojo's in Idaho Springs and got some pizza. Uh, put that honey on the crust and it's all good. Uh, they got large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, huge salad bar with fresh veggies, Colorado beer on tap, including, you know, our favorite, Breck Brews, and your favorite sports team playing in the background. They have private party rooms for all your get-togethers, including birthday parties and large business events. They've got $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their family, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of the five Front Rage locations. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com and tell them who sent you. And we will be back with period three right after this. 
All right, welcome into period three of the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by The Green Solution and any of their 17 Colorado locations. I am Evan Rowell. We're finishing up here with your questions for this week. Uh, We got an interesting one here from Daniel. If you were allowed to cancel an entire Av season, would you rather cancel the first season by Bednar or Waz first season? Uh, And those were, as what he referred to as the pain season. Um, And there was a lot of pain that season with Bednar or the illusionary good one, which led to some pain right afterwards. Um, That's a tough one because, you know, that pain season, you got Kale McCarr right out of it. The illusionary good season, you know, it was actually, it was a lot of fun to watch. I had a great time that season. That was a great team to watch. It just led to the Avs thinking they were maybe a little bit closer than they actually were. Poor decisions. Eventually, they did get guys like Miko Rantanen out of it, just by not being great and with some good drafting. Um, but if I was to get rid of one, I mean, I don't know why anyone would ever want to watch that 16-17 season. season. Yeah, that was just brutal. Um, started out decent, and then it just fell down the hole right from there. Eric Johnson got hurt blocking a slap shot with his kneecap. Um, not where you want to block a slap shot from Tyler Sagan. And the season just kind of fell apart from there. You got some nice development. It looked like Zadorov was kind of coming along. He was destroying everybody on the Winnipeg Jets. And then Miko Ranton and sat on his leg. Uh, McKinnon was, uh, I mean, he showed signs that he was going to break out the next year, but it just wasn't all there. It was just an ugly, ugly season. You look back at the names on that team, and uh, a lot of them were not in the NHL the next year, which kind of tells you a little bit about that. So uh, the WAS season, I get that it led to some pain right afterwards, but boy, was that a fun season. That was a fun team to watch. Uh, obviously, Varley put on a show that year. Um, he should have won the Vesna, and in my opinion, he probably, you know, he should have been a finalist at least for the Ves- or for the Hart Trophy, if not winning it, because. That defense was hideous outside of Eric Johnson and Tyson Berry. It was ugly. Uh, Andre Benoit, remember that name? He was up there. Corey Sarich, who actually wasn't bad that year, uh, kind of towards the tail end of his career. But, boy, that was a fun forward core to watch. He had McKinnon's rookie year. Stasny, Landis Cog, they were in line for the last half of the year, and they were fantastic. Uh, Obviously, O'Reilly and Duchesne were great together. Uh, He had some fun with... You know, guys like uh, Steve Downey was here for a little bit, and then they called it, they traded him for Max Talbot. Uh, that was just a fun team, fun to watch. Uh, I refused to watch Game 7 of that season. Uh, it's just too painful. Don't even want to think about it. Uh, don't even want to talk about Nino Niederreiter. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a great season. I would absolutely keep that season around um, and never wish to ever hear from that uh, or watch that 16-17 season ever again. Moving on, um, we got a stadium series announcement yesterday. It seemed like, you know, I think everyone thought that, oh, we're going to see some jerseys. Instead, you found out that Sam Hunt is the music. And now we are a little over a month away from this game, and they have not officially announced the jerseys. So, uh, Speve, I'm probably pronouncing that way wrong, uh, asked, what's the deal with the stadium series jerseys? I saw a leak of what people thought they were going to be, and they looked terrible. Have you heard anything about those? And then someone else mentioned that um, uh, Stephen asked if there was, because there's a rumor there, I guess, but what are the odds that the Avs and Adidas are actually tweaking or redesigning the outdoor jerseys? 
it's weird that we're almost a month from now or one month away from the game and we haven't had an official jersey announcement. Um, it is very weird. It is very weird because if you remember back with the outdoor game back in, what, 2015, uh, I think they announced that jersey almost at the start of the year. And that I like that jersey a lot. So um, obviously it was a good jersey, so they were ready to announce it. But the leaks for this jersey for the outdoor game are just... Yeah, they're pretty hideous. Um, I'm looking at it right now with this, the guy who just looks miserable uh, wearing it. Um, but yeah, it's it's an ugly jersey. I, I, I'm not sure if they would tweak it at this point since it's been out there so much. I'm not sure what you would tweak. Um, that would be an ultimate turnaround if they turn if they actually announce the jerseys. And LA's looked so bland too. They obviously LA hasn't announced their jerseys either, as far as I know. And uh, their jersey just basically looks like a practice jersey. So. If they were tweaking these jerseys, that'd be great. I just, I think they're kind of, I think the cat got out of the bag and they're probably just like, well, I mean, everyone knows these jerseys are terrible. We'll just announce it closer to it. Uh, Would be nice though if they're changing it up. All right. Uh, Moving on to some more questions here. Why are the special teams looking so poor this year? Well, I would argue that they've looked poor the last couple years, especially the penalty kill. That thing's been broken for since last year. Um, the Avs are just not aggressive on the penalty kill. You watch, oh, I can't remember who it was a couple weeks ago. They were just so aggressive against the Avs, breaking everything up. Uh, and you watch the Avs, and they just kind of sit there and wait. They let you do whatever you want. Um they front the, uh, obviously they're trying to front the shots just to block them, but they're missing a lot of those shots and the deflections are beating the goalie. So the penalty kill is more broken to me than the power play because there's a lot of power. Uh, I mean, we've seen this power play have success, even though the system is not great. There's just too much talent on this power play for it to struggle the way that it has. Um, I think eventually they'll figure it out where they it's there's just been ebbs and flows with this power play for the last year and a half to where you saw at the start of last year, they were rolling some like 35% to start the year. And then they slowed down and they ended the year pretty decent. I just think there's too much talent on this team. Big problem right now is that Makar is just, you know, he's struggling since he came back from his injury and he was a big part of the power play because he actually, he is one guy who will improvise a little bit. He will fake the shot, fake the pass to McKinnon and kind of move in a little bit. So he's got a little bit of movement and that throws the defense off. Um, and since they want to use the point so much, having a point guy who's actually got a dangerous shot and willing to actually move in rather than just stand at the point and let it rip uh, makes a big difference. And we've seen how many goals he scored this year just on the power play just from doing that. So I think that is the power play. I think eventually they'll they'll kind of turn around. It'll be the same thing as it's been for the last couple of years with ebbs and flows and it's good and it's bad. But I think mostly there's just too much talent on there. I think they just definitely got to get this PK figured it out. Uh, I'm not sure it's really a player issue as much as it's just a system issue because the reality is you can pretty much put anyone on a penalty kill as long as they're willing to work and move. If the system's aggressive, it's going to cause more problems for the other team. The problem is the Fs just kind of sit back and let the other team do what they want. So I think they definitely got to figure that out. Uh, Sean O'Connor asks, is Eric Johnson an Av next season? I would say there is a very, very low percentage that he is not an Av. I think the organization just, you know, I, his play, I think there's obviously been a very big dip this year, especially offensively. He just does not look the same offensively. But that being said, 
He is a veteran on the blue line. I think they like him a lot. He is a right shot outside of Makar. They don't have any. Timmons is still figuring it out in the AHL. Uh, I just, and I don't see anyone, if they were willing to move him, I don't see anyone willing to take on that contract just because you got to protect him in the expansion draft. And beyond that, he's still got a few years after that. So, um, yeah, I do think he's going to be an Av next season. Um, I just don't see any way that they will potentially move him uh, moving forward just with the – I think they like him, and he is very good in the locker room. He's good to have around these younger guys. Him and Gerard are close. He sits right next to Makar and Gerard, so they have him in that locker room right next to these young guys. And I think it is good for them to have a guy who's who's kind of been through it. He's been through a lot. He, I think – you know, I mentioned it when we did the all-decade team. I think the Avs really wasted his prime. Um, his best years probably were probably the Wa seasons, actually. The three years that Wa was here was probably his peak. And the reality is that, that he was playing with guys like Jan Hayda and Brad Stewart, who were just at the end of their career. And that was a real waste to me, that you had a young defenseman that you could have potentially – I don't think he was ever an elite defenseman, but he was a very good defenseman that I think you could say was a top-pairing guy. Um, he's just not anymore. That's just the reality of it. Um, he's just not the same with all the injuries that have happened. Doesn't mean he's a, you know, somebody that's going to hurt the team on a nightly basis. He's just not the team, not the guy he was back then. I think he can still help this team moving forward. Um, and I just don't see him being a guy that they're going to trade this summer or anytime really. Um, the expansion draft will be interesting what happens there, but I just don't see him being moved really before then. Probably the last question we'll take here from Tyler Reyes. To your knowledge, has Sakic ever addressed why they do not have a designated development person beyond Billington? If not, maybe a good question. Uh, Yeah, that is a good question. We just don't get the chance to talk to Sakic all that much. He does the presser at the start of the year. A lot of guys just want to ask about the season as it's going, you know, what the expectations are. And and Sakic is very good at saying things, but really not saying a whole lot. As far as why they don't have a designated development person beyond Billington, um, I would say McFarland has, you know, kind of reshaped the AHL team a little bit more. Billington's in charge there, but that's what McFarland did in Columbus. Um, and obviously he's played a big role in the NHL team as well. The the development guys now, um, David Oliver left for New York. He was their development guy before last season didn't do a great job so i don't think they're really going to miss him but he's in new york now i think he's the assistant coach with david quinn there right now they've got guys like brett clark um who i know goes and visits uh the guys in juniors the defensemen uh they have john ian filetro who i talked to adam werner uh about before he played his first NHL game i got to interview him and i talked to him and he said you know john ian visited him uh a few times in sweden last year so they do have a goaltending guy, and if you remember, Filatro was the guy, and I'm probably saying that wrong, just a very very American way of saying it, but he, he came in with uh, Allaire when Wah was brought in, and he was the AHL guy. So they have an AHL goalie coach. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, and obviously they have Parkilla in the NHL. So they've kind of transitioned him into the development guy. So he visited Werner a few times in Sweden over the process of last year. Um, which I was not aware of, so that was good Good to know. It's just good to know that they've got a specific goaltending uh, development coach there, and I imagine he's doing the same with Annanen uh, in Finland as well. So, um, And then they've also brought in Steven Reinprecht, who 
is obviously would help out the forwards there, but he's helping out more skills and everything. But the uh, big guy that they have brought in for all of this development is Sean Allard. And we've already seen what kind of impact he's the skills coach they brought in. Uh, if, I think they brought him in like a month into the season last year. So he is the skills guy. Um, if you've noticed the Eagles, they post out on Twitter. He has spent a lot of time in the AHL this season or just heading up the road to practice with the with the Eagles. Um, and it's not just him. It's obviously it's Brett Clark. It's Ryan Precht. Um, having him has been very, very good for this team. We, You know, you talk to an injured player on the AV and they say, or the Avs, and they say, they're able to basically come back in the lineup pretty quickly and um, maybe better than before because when they're out, they're obviously working on their conditioning. But if the team goes on a road trip, they stay back and they work with Sean Allard, who puts them through the ringers. Uh, I stopped by the Avs practice facility when they were on a road trip early this year, watched him working with Zadorov, saw him working with Rantanen, guys that were hurt. He does a lot of great stuff that... You know, if he was not here, you just have guys skating on their own, doing whatever they want. So he puts them through um, clear drills. He knows what he wants out of them, and it's really helping with the skill development with the entire team. Um, and now that's spreading into the AHL. I'm sure it's playing a role in Timmins. You know, he, before he got hurt, he was transitioning well into the AHL. Bowers has figured it out. Cout has started to figure it out. So having someone like Sean Allard in the organization has been huge, and that might be their best hire over the last two years, to be completely honest. So that was a great move bringing him in. I was watching the morning skate against Edmonton a while back, um, and Connor McDavid and James Neal came up and talked to Sean Allard because he works with some other guys in the offseason. So that just shows you kind of the respect he has around the league, and that's a guy that the Avs are working with on a daily basis. So that's great for them and great for the organization. So... I think that will call it for the day. Um, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, AJ and Rudo uh, have their voices back. Um, and hopefully, I'm, and I'm learning quickly why they don't have voices because it's just 40 minutes of talking can definitely strain you there. So um, we will be back with the podcast tomorrow. But before we go, we got to talk about some game-changing coffee. Uh, you knew it was coming. Strava Craft, uh, it's the game-changing coffee that... Um, everyone knows about by now uh, the CBN, CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. You've heard about it on this podcast for years now, so check them out. The CBD infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. All it's an all-natural psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we wouldn't recommend it, or we couldn't recommend it anymore for our listeners. As Strava says. Drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code DNVR20 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That is Strava Craft Coffee and we will be back with a podcast tomorrow. Thanks.